Welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, everyone. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the OCR Underground Show. I'm your host, Mike Diebler. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and making this a part of your OCR training routine to help you crush your next obstacle course race. If you want to check out the show notes for anything mentioned in today's episode, make sure you head on over to OCRunderground.com slash episode dash 101. Well, I have to admit, I have a little bit of FOMO uh, seeing uh, so many people posting uh, some recent races and medals and, and all that good stuff. Um, it just hasn't worked out for me to really get to many races so far this year. This previous weekend was the Deca Fit event up in Anaheim, and I really thought I was going to be able to make it out there, but it just wasn't encouraged for me for this weekend. I'm definitely at the point in my life where um, where kids' activities are just nonstop, and it's all great stuff, and I want to be there and not miss it. So uh, some of the races are just taking the back seat right now so it's uh not a not a bad thing it's just something you know at that point in my life where i'm um uh you know having to make some of these choices but it looked like some awesome events um uh, you know people just crushing it out there and and having a blast so hopefully in the near future i'll be able to get to some of these really thought i was going to be able to make it up to anaheim and then last minute a, a new soccer game got scheduled that just interrupted those plans so hopefully Hopefully some uh, races coming up that I'll be able to participate in. Uh, we do have the DECA Mile event that will be at my studio, San Diego Premier Training. So I do have that to look forward to because I know I 100% will be there. Uh, so at least uh, not participating, at least watching, but I usually try and get a, a run in once once the uh, all the participants are done. I try and sneak one in at the very end before all the judges take off for the day. So that's that's the plan at the moment. Hopefully that um, uh, that actually sticks. So um, figured, you know, if you're in a situation like me, you know, it is life. Things happen, and and we we don't always get to participate in all the different things that we would like to. Um, but my mentality right now is I'm gonna be ready for anything that does come up. So a lot of the training I'm doing right now, it's a little bit of everything. Um, just need that kind of general fitness strength. Uh, endurance. You know, I may not be at my top level when I know exactly what kind of race I'm training for, distance, and all those different things. Um, I just don't have that luxury right now. So my strategy is I'm just trying to maintain maintain my strength, um, still working on a good base for endurance, um, and all these different things. So I at least at any moment, if a race pops up and I know I can make it, um, then I, I feel pretty good about it, even if it might not be the best uh condition that i possibly could be in for that race i still feel pretty pretty good about going in so that's that's my strategy right now so if you ever find yourself or maybe you're in this similar situation i still think you know there's a lot of things we can do we can still train with intention even if we don't have that super specific goal or race date that we're trying to shoot for there's still a lot of things that, that we can work on and you know typically your weaknesses are your weaknesses and and you probably always want to work on those things um, but just trying to hit a little bit of everything to make sure at, at any moment um, i'm ready for that race 
Uh, luckily, I do know that deck of miles coming up, and I'm more than likely going to uh, participate in it. So I, I do have some of my training specifically gearing up for that deck of mile. Uh, the event is uh, on June 11th at my studio, like I mentioned, in uh, Carlsbad. So if you are in the area and want to check it out, we do have a few spots left. Um, but this event does typically sell out. So um, if you're thinking about doing it, I would uh, definitely try and register as soon as possible. We have open heats, team heats, as well as some kid kids heats as well. Uh, so it's it's always a fun event. Um, it's just great to see all the different levels. We'll have uh, it's a pretty fast course, so we're, we're going to get some of those uh, um, men and women out there that are just putting up some some serious times. So we see some great competition, um, but then we have all levels. People just competing their first one, and and uh, just super motivating to see them push themselves and push through. Uh, so I'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check out the event. You'll be able to uh, register there, uh, assuming it hasn't sold out yet. Um, but again, that's going to be June 11th uh, in Carlsbad. Uh, should be a fun one. Uh, we're actually doing a promo right now. So if you are in the area and ever want to check out our Saturday DECA-specific classes, we're doing uh, a 50% off our drop-in rate for anyone that is registered for this upcoming race. So we have a few more Saturdays to uh, put the final, final touches on in your training. So if you want to come check it out, fun workout, uh, great people to work out with, uh, you just need to email me at mike at sandiegopremiertraining.com and I will let you know how to sign up and get that 50% off for those Saturday workouts. All right, well, heading into today's episode, as always, I have some great content for you and a great interview. Uh, in my uh, research review, I'm going to talk high-intensity training. So I look at a study that compares uh, a couple different types of high-intensity training and how those specific trainings affected neuromuscular function and vagal tone or vagal response. If you're not sure what that means, I'm going to tell you exactly what it all means and how uh, you want to interpret that for your specific training goals. In the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to discuss some of my top tips when racing at altitude. This is just a common question that comes up. I know I've talked a little bit about it before, but I'm just going to go over some of my top things that you probably want to consider if you're planning on doing a race up at altitude and, and maybe don't have much exposure, exposure to altitude where you live. And then finally, in my uh, interview, I chat with Matthew O'Quinn. Matthew shares his story and how he got into obstacle course racing and, and really how he fell in love with more endurance-based activities and events. Um, he discusses how he turned repeated failure into a motivation to help get him through multiple endurance events and how he plans on taking on the Spartan death race this summer. So some great stuff from Matt. Definitely want to tune in. Some great advice uh, if you're dealing with, um, with obstacles and failure and, and some of his tips and strategies for helping to push through. Uh, before we get into the episode, I do want to take a few minutes and let you know about uh, our sponsors. And one question I always ask clients is, you know, how are you tracking your progress? And that might mean different things for different people. You might use weight on a bar to track how strong you are. Uh, you might use your watch and track your speed or pacing. Um, but what if you're trying to measure something just a little bit more internal? What if you're trying to improve body composition, bone density, uh, health, water hydration, other internal metrics. Uh, this is a little bit more tricky to monitor to make sure you're you're doing the right things. Uh, you definitely want to check out 
the VARA scale from FitTrack to make sure that you're making progress on some of those important measurements. Uh, this scale isn't just about telling you how much you weigh. Um, obviously, it'll tell you that, but it also uh, gives you much, much more detail. It's easy to use, comprehensive device that gives you 17 health metrics to monitor, including body fat, BMR, metabolic age, bone mass, and much more. It's easy to track progress and make sure the training and nutrition that you're following are making a difference. Right now, the scale is 50% off on their website, and you can get an additional 20% off when you use the code OCRUNDERGROUND. Just visit getfittrack.com and start measuring your progress today. Today's show is also sponsored by The Amino Company. In the last episode, I interviewed one of the co-founders, Dr. Robert Wolf, that you definitely want to go back and and listen to that one if you haven't heard it, but he shared some incredible research on the power of essential amino acids for the body and the brain. If you're dealing with an injury or even planning on undergoing surgery, I would highly recommend checking out their Heal product. If you're looking for maybe an extra boost in your workouts, you're going to love their Perform product. They have patented amino acid blends best, uh, to best help the body recover and prepare for workouts as well as improve optimal health. Uh, their products are two times more efficient at triggering muscle growth and repair compared to other protein sources and are keto-friendly, soy-free, vegetarian, gluten-free, free, and non-GMO. Right now, you can get 30% off your order when you visit aminoco.com slash OCR, uh, and you can use that code OCR to get that 30% off. All right, well, let's get into today's episode. let's jump into this episode's research review. And today we're going to look at a study comparing different high intensity methods and their effects on neuromuscular fun function and vagal reactivity. So what does this mean and why is that important? And I think it's important to remember that there is a cost to training, right? Training is a stress on the body, which requires recovery from it. So if we measure neuromuscular response, we're basically measuring how well the brain and the muscles are, how, how well they bounce back from a, a previous uh, stress or workout. So if we measure something like power or strength, we can see how demanding that activity was by how much your power or strength went down, right? So if we know like your, uh, your um, vertical jump is whatever, a certain number of inches, or you can squat a certain number of pounds. Um, and then you perform some type of, of high intensity activity. Uh, and then we go back and measure, you know, your jump, your squat, your things like that, whether it's right after or the next day or two days later, we can see how well have you responded from that stress, right? So I think this is an important thing to consider is how demanding the workout was and how quickly you can eventually bounce back. So neuromuscular response is just a way that we can monitor that. Um, with vagal response, we're, we're looking at the nervous system and its balance between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems. So probably you're familiar with these, at least in some regards, so our sympathetic nervous system uh, activity from this part of our, our nervous system increases when we're under stress. Um, that's the fight or flight response. And then parasympathetic activity, this is the rest and digest. So we see uh, this 
um, side of the nervous system increased when we're um, recovering, recovered. Uh, so if we monitor vagal response, so an increased vagal activity means that there's more parasympathetic activity, meaning you know we have better balance. So when we're in a lower vagal tone or vagal response, that means we're, we're, in, we're still in a stress state, right? So if we measure these two things, we can kind of see what's, what's the response the body has on certain exercise techniques. So what this study did was they compared three different protocols and, and they wanted to see what the response was of each of these different. Now these were low volume, high intensity efforts. So what it included were approximately nine minute sessions, including uh, warm up. So there was a, um, it was basically like a three minute warm up and six minute and five seconds of high intensity training. So uh, the first protocol was sprint interval training. Um, I actually couldn't find in the study exactly what they did. It just said they had to sprint as hard as they could and then and then recover and then sprint back. So I don't know exactly how far or what that meant, but um, we can assume it involved uh, all out sprints with a recovery in between. And they did that for uh, for six minutes. Then they had a burpee interval training protocol where here they did um, 10 rounds of five seconds effort with a 35 second recovery. So only five seconds, they'd go as hard as they could with their burpees and then they'd recover and repeat and it took them about um, six minutes and, and five seconds. And then the final protocol was vigorous intensity continuous training. Here after their warm up, they basically just uh, ran at a, uh, uh, an intensity of 85% of their max heart rate. And they just did that for six minutes and five seconds. So those were the three protocols and they measured things like heart rate, heart rate recovery, heart rate variability, counter movement, jump, squat, and bench press. So essentially they wanted to look at the, um, the response from the nervous system after they did each of these, these training sessions um, to see how, how much stress the body was under and how much it might've decreased performance based on these intense workouts. So what they found was the sprint training saw the greatest decrease in vagal tone and the higher highest muscular fatigue um, in all three. So more than the burpee protocol and the uh, vigorous continuous protocol. Uh, and they actually found two subjects in the sprint group actually experienced injuries and could not finish the study. Um, muscular strength and power decreased in the sprint group while many of the same, uh, well, many of the, the measurements actually stayed the same. And even in a few groups went up uh, or a few individuals, the, the, uh, responses went up in the burpee and the, uh, continuous training groups. I thought that was pretty interesting. So they saw, um, the highest, um, decrease in parasympathetic activity in the sprint group. So basically, um, that was the most stressful. Uh, they saw strength and power decrease after the sprint group, where in the other groups, um, they either saw the same performance uh, before and after the, the intervals or the, the, the burpees or the uh, continuous uh, sprinting, um, or in some fact, and in some cases, they actually went up. So that was, that, I thought that was pretty interesting. So now, what are really the, the takeaways from this? Because I think it kind of makes sense. So, uh, you know, some things they talked about in the study, you know, obviously the sprint sprinting is very demanding. It's very hard on the body to run all out. Um, like I said, there is a cost to that. Now, vigorous and intensity continuous training is still pretty hard, but you're pacing yourself, right? Because you can't, you don't get that break in between. So you're just going at a constant pace. It's still hard, 
but not quite as demanding on the body. So we don't see the same impact on the nervous system or the neuromuscular response. Uh, in the burpee intervals, so I, I they they did mention in there that maybe it, it really wasn't intense enough to to compare. So it's kind of hard to say. You know, with five seconds of doing burpees, it just they saw the the lowest heart rate response from that that protocol, where you know five seconds of burpees with a thirty five second rest wasn't really enough to get that maximal effort out of there. So, you know, maybe not the best way to, to determine this, um, but they did see some improvements when they did some of their benching and, and squatting and jumping after the burpee protocol. So um, just an interesting point there. Now, the, like I said, the, the takeaways here, sprinting is a great exercise. I think there's a lot of benefit from doing um, all out sprints and, and that type of high intensity training, but it's also super intense and don't take it lightly. Um, not only is it tough to perform, your risk of injury goes up and it's going to require a lot more recovery in between sprinting sessions. So one, make sure you progress properly. Um, make sure you warm up properly if you're going to be doing sprint training, because it, it's just too common for, for individuals to hurt themselves just because they're not prepared or, you know, they just haven't been doing sprinting in the past and they want to try it out and they go right into all out sprints. Right, we definitely want to follow a good progression so we're not just going to max effort if we've never done sprinting. Maybe it's been years since we've ever done, you know, a sprint workout. Uh, so has a great benefit, not for everyone, right? This is more of an advanced protocol. If you're new, just getting into it, you probably want to stick to higher volume, low intensity training for much longer before you even mess around with, with sprinting. The other takeaway is um, think about, you know, the training you're doing. And, and I know something I've talked about a lot in the past is concurrent training. You're probably doing some strength training. You're probably doing some endurance training. You're, you're trying to do all these different things to help maximize all these different attributes. So you, you are better at racing. Um, but if you plan on doing any type of sprint work and this really high intensity effort training, um, don't do this before you lift, right? So if you're going to do it same day, uh, you may not want to do sprinting and then lift afterwards. Uh, in fact, you may not want to do lifting until a couple days later, right? Obviously, this depends on your fitness level and how fast you respond from stress. But I think if you're going to do a real high intensity day, something that really is demanding on the nervous system, it takes a couple days to recover from that. So instead of maybe doing a, a high intensity sprinting interval workout and then the next day doing some type of uh, lift lifting workout or metabolic workout or something like that i would definitely throw a recovery workout in between so something much easier you can still do something but something that's going to help you bounce back improve blood flow and circulation and and just get you ready for the next high intensity effort right because if you try and go hard again too soon either you're setting yourself up potentially for injury or we know that you are now weaker. So why are you trying to lift in a weakened state, right? When you can just take an extra day and then, you know, take one recovery day and then go into your, your hard lift or whatever it might be. And you're going to see that your loads are higher. You're feeling better. You're more recovered. And I just think it's a smarter way to do it. So I think that's probably the you know, two biggest takeaways are, Hey, if you're going to sprint, don't take it lightly. And if you are sprinting, um, Think about how you can program better to maximize some of the other workouts in there, right? So uh, play around with that and how you set up your workout and see if you notice a big difference if, if you are sprinting and, and allowing proper recovery in between each session.
All right, guys. So today I'm going to be chatting with Matthew O'Quinn from Bluff City, Tennessee. Matthew's a three-time gauntlet participant and three-time 24-hour finisher and has finished uh, quite a few Spartan Hurricane Heats, uh, just to name a few races he's done. Uh, he's got a background in logistics and software engineering and is a U.S. Army veteran. Uh, Matthew has a great story about his journey through OCR, and I really wanted to get him on and share this with you today. Uh, I think it's really going to resonate for a lot of you out there. So, uh, so Matthew, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. I really do appreciate the opportunity you give me here to kind of tell my story and and share with other people, you know, where I've where I've came from and where I'm going. Yeah, I, I think it's it's going to be great for for us to chat about this and and let others know about kind of where you started, where you are now, and everything in between. Uh, so I know there's a lot of, of different places we can go, but let's just start at the beginning with your your OCR journey. Like, you know, how long have you been, you know, starting your first race, uh, and and kind of how 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 you caught the bug, you know, like all of us did. Well, so in 2012, uh, Spartan was relatively new. Um, I had never even heard of a Spartan race, and I had a buddy of mine. Uh, he calls me up. He says. Hey man, have you heard of this thing called Spartan? He's like, you and I, we got to go to Charlotte and do this, right? I'm like, okay. So uh, we bought our tickets, and when it came time to go to the race, he actually ended up backing out on me. Hmm. Um, and my wife was like, "Are you still going to this thing, whatever?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, sure. I'm going to go see what it is." Um, back then tickets were like 60 bucks. I mean, they were like super cheap then, you know? Um, so I did my first sprint in Charlotte. Uh, it was great. Uh, the following year I got my first trifecta and like everybody, it just, it came, you know, one right after the other and the other. Um, but the big turning point for my OCR stuff was when, <clears throat> We went to Atlanta for my first four-hour hurricane, and that was class 080. Now, I don't know for sure, but I know at the time it was the biggest hurricane heat class ever. I don't know if there's been one bigger since then, but I know then I think we had well over 200 people wow. um, at that hurricane. It was huge. Um, so there's a lot of people that in OCR right now that's, you know, class 080. Well, back then, hurricanes were totally different than they are now. They would tell you, hey, we're going to do a four-hour hurricane, and it could end up being six hours. You just mm -hmm. you didn't know when it was going to end. But I fell in love with it. You know, in Atlanta, I fell in love with it. But I'll tell you what happened right there um, I got a little bit of an ego, um, because I was like, oh man, you know, I can do this. This is, you know, nothing can stop me. Well, a couple months later, we went to Nashville and I did a 12 hour hurricane. Um, and I failed it miserably just, you know, I don't know, six hours in something like that. Um, had some equipment issues. I don't, you know, I think some of it was excuses, maybe a little bit. 
I, I feel like I could have probably pushed a little bit harder than I did. Um, I really feel like in, in these races, especially the endurance stuff, your, your mind is going to give up way before your body. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can push through a lot of things, but when your mind, when you get it in your head that this hurts too much, I want it over, you know, my feet hurt, my back hurts, you know, I'm hungry. I don't have enough water. You know, you, you make excuses. And once you get to that point that you're ready to say, okay, I'm done. It's really, really hard to change that mindset internally. It's really hard to say, okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and try to push through another six hours. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. When you, uh, so when you went from the, the four to the, the 12, did you, um, you said, you mentioned you had a little bit of an ego. Did you, um, you felt like you prepared well and, you know, things just went wrong or do you feel like. Well, you no. So like before I started OCR, I was overweight. Um, about a year before I started OCR, I had lost like 40 pounds doing great. I was running a lot of miles. I was putting in a lot of miles running, um, typically five to six miles every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in pretty good shape, but I, w- I hadn't trained myself mentally to get through some of these, you know, you got to wait and you have to carry sandbags. And I, I really hadn't done a whole lot of, okay, well, let's go, let's go ruck through the woods and, you know, carry a weight. Um, Big thing too, is I didn't have the right equipment. I tried to buy some of these little cheap packs that people buy, you know, well, I'm, you know, I'll get a, you know, a $30 pack. And if you're going to do the endurance stuff, whether it's death race or gauntlet or a 12 hour, 24 hour, my, the big advice that I have on that is, get good equipment, especially if you feel like you're going to continue on and do more of get good equipment. Don't buy the cheap stuff. You know, I heard um, we were at a hurricane. I can't remember if it was a 12 hour or four hour or something. Um, It may have been at the gauntlet, but Matt Waller, um, if you know him, Matt Waller, he was like, uh, who's showing up with a headlamp that's not waterproof? Because they were like, you know, people were trying to keep their headlamp from getting, you know, wet. And he's like, you know, who's showing up and doesn't have a waterproof headlamp? What kind of, you get a Walmart or something? Mm-hmm. So, you know, invest in the good gear, especially if you're going to keep going. Um, but yeah, I had a little bit of an ego um, thinking that, I was kind of untouchable because mm-hmm. I had done a lot of races and I'd been in Spartan, you know, several years. And I thought, man, I've done, you know, I've went to, you know, I've done the ultras and all this. And, and so, but a Spartan race, and then I can't, I can't stress this enough. A Spartan race is nothing like a hurricane. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. It's a totally different animal. Um, yes, you still have to train, but you have to train harder. And I've told people that if if you can walk basically three miles, 
you can do a sprint. I don't mm-hmm. care who it is. If you can, if you can walk through a trail three, four miles, five miles, you can do a sprint. With a 12-hour hurricane, it's totally different. Your your weaknesses will be revealed. Um, your inadequacies, if you have them, will be revealed. Um, and you'll do a lot of uh, – there'll be a transformation to take place. At the end of 12 hours, if you get through it, you're going to be a totally different person. Every single event I've ever done, I've always came out different. In some way, some some type of, you know, it's always been different. You've learned stuff. You learn all the tasks that they do. And, um, I mean, I've really put my heart and soul into the endurance stuff the last few years. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I know that one that you failed wasn't your last one. So what what happened next was it so I failed, yeah, so, and... so went to nashville and i failed nashville um and then there were actually i did five 12-hour hurricanes back to back to back to back within just a few weeks of each other um and i failed every one of them like five i mean and they were within a very very short period of time close together Went to Wintergreen, uh, Cryptia Dillon. He was there, super great guy. Um, I, I failed it under him. I failed several ones under Cookie. And um, I was just like, I, I got to get this. And finally, a year later, I just, so after the five, I quit. I, I stopped. I said, look, I got to take a break. Um, I've got to re-examine why I'm doing this. I Did you feel understand. like you? Uh, sorry to interrupt you. I'm I'm just curious. So yeah. you fell five yeah. times. Do you feel like it was uh, was the same thing happening? Was every time a little no, different? No, no, it was different things every time. Yeah. Okay. It was always a different kind of animal that would creep into your mind. Um, you know, Nashville was. You know my pack was messing up and I had equipment problems and I thought, well, I can't get through this with a, with a busted pack. And you know that, and wintergreen, we had to do a, um, it was kind of like the Barkley marathons in a way, the way he had it set up. We was going out onto uh, the course, finding pages out of a book. And the only thing we had was azimuth and, um, you had to like, we had to do like the ranger beads, figure out distance and go collect. Well, my compass, I clipped it in my belt, in my waist, in my waist belt on my pack. Well, the buckle broke mm-hmm. and I didn't know. It. And so my compass was lost. And I'm like, where the crap's my compass? I don't even know where, I don't even know where I'm going now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just little things like that. You lose a mm-hmm. compass. And you're out because not that I, I couldn't physically do it. It's just, okay, well, now I don't have the equipment to do it. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, back then when, um, and that was roughly around 2016. Hmm. And so back then in those days, in the early, early days of 12 hour hurricanes, um, 
if you missed the time hack or you or something happened during the event, they just said, okay, well, see you later, go home, you know, take your toys and leave. Yeah. It's a little different. It's based on a point system. You can kind of be horrible at one thing and super good at something else and, and still have enough points to get through the event. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really great. I do think that's good because, you know, I don't feel like that everybody's going to be a superstar at everything they throw at you. Mm -hmm. um, and so I really, I really like the way they've got it set up. Um, I went to Spartanburg though in 2000, the end of the very end of 2017. And I finished my first 12 hour. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, when that happened, literally like a switch flipped in my brain, like, okay, well, I can do this. And all the people that had been telling me you can't do this um, were, you know, kind of taken back a little bit. They're like, oh, you know, that's great. You did that. That's awesome. And since then, I've done, you know, I, I mean, I really honestly cannot tell you how many hurricanes I've done since then. Mm -hmm. Um 24-hour hurricanes. I've done several of those. Um, so I'll tell you, this is a little a little interesting. We, um, I, I was at the gauntlet, and and so I got introduced to the gauntlet. It's down in Georgia. Um, friends of mine, hey, you got to go check this event out. So we we were down there. Uh, I, I went, and it's awesome. I loved it. The, it's basically a lot of the same people um, they, that go down there to that. And it's kind of like a, um, it's like a three day suffer fest. Really <laughs> you, go out, uh, you, you, you carry heavy stuff through the woods you, and you have a great time. And the only thing that I can think of that compares to death race would be gauntlet because that's the only other thing that personally that I know of or have experienced that. And I know they're different, um, but I'm sure they're probably similar also mm -hmm. um, in a sense. Um, but the gauntlet amazing event. I love the people down there. It's great. Um, and same, same way goes with it. You know, you, you have to prepare, you got to train, you got to have the right equipment you know, don't, don't get cheap on the equipment. That's mm -hmm. how everybody that, you know, get good packs, get good equipment, stuff that's going to, you know, you're going to drag through the mud or through the, the river. Um, but uh, yeah. And so we did a, a, a and so anyways, the, the gauntlet two years ago, I busted my rotator cuff. We were having to do, um, we were doing wall sits and we were holding our pack over our head and we had to do it for like two minutes. Well, I was, we were already, you know, a day in and I, and I dropped my pack and I'm like, I got to get this. And so I've, I, I throw my pack up really hard. And when I did, I felt it. Mm -hmm. I felt it. I knew, I knew I busted something. And so uh, six, seven months later, I get scheduled for surgery. 
but I had already signed up for um, a 24-hour hurricane uh, down in Atlanta. And I asked the doctor, I was like, hey, man, I'm like, you know, I've got a busted rotator. What am I going to do? He's like, oh, no. He's like, you know, if you, if you tear it up more, we're going to fix it. But you're going to have to have a year of recovery after that. So I'm like, okay. So I get to the 24-hour, and we have to do a yoke carry. Um, if you're familiar with that, we had to take a, a, a two by four, an eight foot two by four. We had to attach two 50 pound sandbags of gravel to each side. And we had to carry from where we were at back to base camp. Distance wise, couldn't tell you. I don't even know how far it was. It seemed like forever. It may have <laughs> It may have only been a mile, maybe, maybe, you know. Uh, so I told it, I went and told Craig, Craig Daniel, he was our cryptoia at the time. I told Craig, I said, hey, man, I can't, my arm, I can't lift. There's no way. And Matt Snyder, he was there. He was assisting Craig. And he was like, you got to do this, man. You got to do this. Um, so I told the guys, I said, well, you all are going to have to help. Somebody's going to help put this on my shoulders. So I had some of the other guys that were there, my friends, uh, they put this two by four on my back with these big, huge sandbags and I took off. Now I was only holding it with one arm because I couldn't get my other arm up there. So I'm holding it with one arm. Uh, my arm's going numb. I'm passing people. Uh, I'm just thinking I need a break. I need a rest. But at that moment I knew if I took a break or I rested or I set it down, then I was done. The event mm -hmm. was over for me because then I, I couldn't pick it back up. Yeah. So I was in a situation where I wasn't given, there was only two choices. Either I go on or quit. That was the only, because if I had rested, then I would have never been able to pick it back up. So you know, there, there it would be. Well, I get back to base camp and there's only two other people in base camp. Now I'm super hyper focused on me. I'm not really concerned about nobody else and what they're doing, but I, I get back to base camp and um, uh, a couple of my buddies, Jack and Ryan, they were there and, and they were like, who is that? Cause you know, we're coming back out of the woods and they're like, who is that? And they're like, Oh my God, that's old Quinn. And they're like freaking out. And here I am. Nobody is in camp. And I'm, but them and I'm like, so where's everybody at? And they're like, dude, you're like the third person in. And I'm like, no, what? <laughs> they're like, Oh yeah, you're, you're the third guy in. So that right there solidified one thing for me. I was ready to say I'm done. I was ready to say, this is it. I, I have an injury. I can't go on. But I figured out a way to get it done, even though I had an injury, without further injuring myself. And I'm not I'm not saying that anybody should, um, you know, if you're hurt, going out and doing events. I'm not saying that. But, the you know, my thing is our bodies are made to withstand a whole lot more than our mind allows us for. Yeah. And so when, when times get really bad and sucky, 
then your mind's going to be like, well, I'm, I'm done. But yeah. your boss is like, I can go on a little farther. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, do you, do you feel, so you had failed before all this, those five, uh, events. Yes. Do you feel if say that was your first one or maybe you didn't fail those ones, you would have had the same outcome or do you feel like you'd be more likely to just say, no, I don't think I'm going to do this. So do you think you had to go through that kind of? No, I think I had to go through that. I think I had to go through that mental change of to, I had to fail to grow, had to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I still feel that way. I still feel that um, whether if I went and done a 12-hour hurricane tomorrow, if there's still something left for me to learn, then I feel like that it's sort of kind of meant for me to not get through it if there's a lesson in it. Yeah. Um, so, and, and like, you know, coming up this summer, uh, obviously, you know, my why for doing all this, the death race and all this, you know, when I go up uh, this summer for the death race, um, I don't want to, I don't want to go into it with the thoughts of, man, there's no way. I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? I don't want mm-hmm. to defeat myself before I start. But I also want to be very realistic of, okay, well, I need to train hard. I need to be very focused on the task at hand. And whether the death race presents whatever, you know, whether it's four hours in, whether it's two hours or 12 or 24 or however, the, the thing is I want to see what I can really do. And I, and I feel like that's been my progression through the years is all of these things that I thought that I couldn't do. um, Turns out, you know, some of the things I can do. Um, it's, uh, I try to be humble about it. I try to be uh, very, um, I don't want to get, what's the word? I don't want to get too big for my britches. How about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. No, I, I mean, this, I, I think a lot can le- be learned from this where we really don't know what we can do until we try. And even when you fail, all that means is the person you are right now wasn't ready. That doesn't mean you can't become that person, right? I, I know with, you know, we have uh, two two kids and they they fail all the time, right? Because they're just trying new stuff they've never done before. And sometimes they get down and you hate to see it, right? We're like, I just, I can't do this. And it's like, well, yeah. do you want to do this? Because if you want to do it, it's okay. Like you you have plenty of time to figure this out and, and learn. And, and if they want to do it, they'll get out there and get back up and keep going and it's uh I, we see kids do it all the time but as we get old i think we lose a little bit of that where it's like we don't even get to the point where we try right we're just like no nope, not going to do it yep you're right and you know something else um one of the big things that you know with with the hurricanes and 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 all the events i've been in one of the big um points is uh integrity 
You know, there were times during those events, the ones that I failed, uh, and even ones that I've succeeded in, there were times in those events that I could have cheated. Mm. You know, you're mm. out in the woods, you're alone, nobody sees you. There are plenty of opportunities to cheat. There's plenty of opportunities to cut trails. Um, you know, we were at the, we were at one of our 24 hour events. You know, I saw somebody cheating and it kind of irritated me a little bit because I knew that I was putting in the work, but they weren't. And I wasn't mm -hmm. going to play that. Well, that's not fair card because, you know, that's on them. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, when I went home, I knew that, okay, well, I, I was true to myself. I was true to the integrity of the event. And so whether or not I go home as a finisher or not as a finisher, it's all about my own personal integrity. What is a T-shirt and a medal worth to you if you're looking at it and you know when you bring it home, I had to cheat to get that? Mm. You know, so um, I, that's one thing. I'm not going to cheat to get it. If it mm -hmm. if it's not for me to have, then it's not for me to have. And so um, the perseverance of pushing through, do it, do it the right way, do it with integrity. And then and then you learn something, you get something out of it. Um, everybody wants to talk about their why and why they do the things, you know, um, really good friend of mine, uh, a buddy that we did races together <clears throat> a few years ago, we went to Fort Bragg and, and we were with my sister. My sister does the races with me. Um, just here a couple years ago, 2018, I guess it was, he had a stroke massive stroke big guy six foot two muscle i mean he just super fit just a and you know three years younger than me now he is unable to do those races now mm -hmm. not at all and he had to learn how to walk again he had to learn how to talk again and all of these things that him and i done together we don't do that anymore. Um, and so I feel like in a way that my why is it's a privilege that I'm able to do these things. It's a privilege that I'm healthy enough to do these things. Um, I, I want to, I always tell everybody, um, I always give credit of my health to God because he's blessed me with health. Um, uh, and that, and I feel like that, um, you know, I feel like I'm doing God a service by taking care of my body, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but you know, the why people ask about the why it's because it's the old adage. Why do you climb the mountain? Well, because it's there. 
And, so, and that's kind of that's kind of the thing with me coming up this summer with the death race. Why do I want to go to the death race? I want to try. Now, if I come home after being there two hours, then that's what happens. I'm not mm-hmm. going to cry. I'm not going to, you know, pity myself about it. Um, but I'm going to go into it with an open mind, go into it with, uh, you know, feel like that I want to train. You're never going to be ready for everything they're going to throw at you. They're mm-hmm. always going to come up with something. And, mm-hmm. and, and it's always something new. And you're like, where do you guys come up with this stuff? You know? <laughs> so, um, and it's a, it's an endurance family that I've, that I've grown to love the people that I share these events with. That's the big thing. It's a family. It's a community. Um, these are my friends, you know, it's almost like every time we see each other, it's like a family reunion, right? It's like, Oh my God, how you been? And it's just, it's a very awesome, close community of people that, that I get to participate with. So that's awesome. Uh, so that's yeah. that's a lot of the why. Yeah, yeah. So you know, obviously, with with something like the death race and really all these races, a lot of uh, preparation has to go in there. And you you kind of mentioned you don't you don't know what's going to be thrown at you. Is there is there anything like obviously you don't want to think negatively, but you have to plan for. For everything, right. is there anything that you feel like if if this happens, uh, there's a good chance I'm going to have to drop out? Um, do you try and plan ahead a little bit like that to see just to cover your bases? Yes, uh, pencil rolls. No, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm not being a, I'm not joking about it because we were in the gauntlet. Uh, I, I guess it was two years ago we'd been up all night and we're nasty. And, you know, I I had changed out my socks and my shoes and I had a fresh set. And then all of a sudden we go down to the river and it's like back in the water. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I just put on dry shoes and and it's like, Oh, now we're going to do pencil rolls. And I'm just like, I'm done. And they're like, Mm -hmm. no, come on, you got it. And I'm like, no, I'm like, so, um, so I told my wife, this is what, and, and she's like, you're, this is not going to work. But, uh, so I, I, when we go on our trips, sometimes we'll go on cruises. Um, I wear the little patches behind your ear, keeps you from getting nauseous. Yeah. Yeah. And so I told her, I said, I, I'm going to take me some of the little patches with me so I don't get nauseous. But there's a, there's a, a drawback to that. You're going to get sleepy a little bit. Oh, all right. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to have to, if I do that, then I'm going to have to fight that off a little bit. Or I can just suck it up and go out here in the backyard and do pencil rolls until I get, you know, accustomed to it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Either way, you got a challenge ahead of you. Yes, (laughs) that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, One last thing I wanted to to bring up you you kind of mentioned you know some people telling you you couldn't do this and uh you know obviously support is always helpful um but when a lot of people around you are telling you you probably should give up or quit um it it sounds like you had some of that going on and you know how how did you deal with it how would you tell or like what would you tell somebody that they want to do something and maybe their friends family um are maybe telling them hey i don't think you should do this 
Um, I don't know what advice you have or what worked for you. How did you get handled that? Yeah, so um, I think at the end of the day, I think you just got to be true to yourself. Um, you got to ask yourself, do you really want it? Um, do, are you willing to put in the hard work? Because a lot of times when uh, you do fail an event, and and I'll say for me personally, when I failed, um, I wasn't putting in the hard work. Not enough. I was doing hard work, but I wasn't doing enough hard work. And so when my, my wife and my mother and, you know, other family members are telling me, look, dude, this is not your this is not your thing. You got to give up. You got to quit. This is just not your thing. Then you have to internalize yourself and say, well, is it my thing? Or is it not? Now, I'm not going to say that everybody that goes out and does a hurricane, if you haven't prepared for it or any event, it's not just it's not just a hurricane. It's I don't care if it's a 5K. If you're if you haven't prepared for it, your odds of failure are higher. And so you have to ask yourself. Do I really want to finish? Um, and so I would tell anybody, if you want something, put in the hard work. Um, that's the only that's the only way that I know to say is just put in the hard work. Um, I grew up. My dad was a coal miner, and he was not. My dad was a great dad, loved us, but he was not a very nurturing person. It just wasn't in his nature. Um, and there was a lot of times that growing up through the years, he would really be really, really tough on me um, and my sister and my, my younger brother. And it was just like, why are you being so tough? Um, but he was conditioning us that, if you want something, then you're going to have to put in the hard work. Um, just just like when I went to college, uh, I went to college for software engineering. Uh, I was trying really hard to get finished in three years instead of four. So I worked a full-time job, studied hard. You know, I, I did the work up late at night doing the work. And my last semester, I ended up taking um, 21 credit hours the last two semesters. Had to get a letter uh, from the dean to approve it. Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, that's too much. That's too much. You're taking on too much. You're not going to be able to do it. And, and that goes in line there. You know, I had people telling me, you can't do that. That's, that's too much. Okay. Well, the job that I wanted, um, I had to get finished quick. I was kind of on a timeline. And so I don't know that I would have got the job I have today had I went ahead and stretched it out another year. And even, so that goes into your personal life there. It's like, okay, Work hard, work hard. That's all you got to do. Work hard. Most of the time you do that, 
um, you know, you're going to accomplish what you set out to do. Um, and you, and sometimes you have to tune out people that's going to tell you, Hey, that's too hard or you can't do that. You, you know, I feel like that you, you have to tune out those people sometimes. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's just, it's just one of those things you got to tune them out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's great advice and it's, it, it's a combination, right? You, you have, to, I, I like how you started saying you, you have to internalize, right? Because if they're telling you and you don't want to do it, then you might just be banging your head against the wall and not really getting anywhere. But if it's something you believe in, um, you'll find the people that'll cheer you on, I think, yes. because you're going to surround yourself with a, a better, better group of people if, if it's what you truly want. So I think that's great advice. So um, any final words before we, we sign off here? Um, no, I think, uh, I think that's it. I think, uh, you know, coming up here in July, uh, we're coming up on the death race. This is going to be the next chapter in, in my story. Um, and I'm going just for the fact of, you know, and they, they say, well, why are you doing the death race? It's so that I can see if this is the next chapter in my life for the next events. What am I going to learn? Um, what lessons am I going to take away from it? Because I know there will be some. You know, I'm going to go to Vermont in July, and I'm going to come home transformed in some different way. I don't know what that is going to be yet but I will come home transformed differently. So I'm kind of looking forward to that, um, that growth. That's, that's what I'm looking for. More growth. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing your story today. If, if anyone listening has questions for you or just wants to maybe follow your journey, do you have any place they can go uh, check you out? Yeah. So you can, you know, look me up on Facebook, you know, uh, Matthew O'Quinn, my you know, my pretty little face is on there so everybody can see. <laughs> um, so I have a uh, Facebook's usually about the only thing I really, you know, social media wise. Okay. Uh, I do have a, um, I do have a blog that I, I haven't wrote in in a while. Uh, the, the Spartan athlete, uh, you know, I can, uh, I have that, but uh, mostly Facebook. Okay, cool. No people. I'm, you know, I'm not on the social media thing. I'm like, you know, if people send me friend requests, Spartan stuff, hey, I'm I'm all about it. So awesome. All right. Well, I can put a link in the in the show notes with your Facebook stuff so these people can can follow you. And uh yeah. just want to wish you the best of luck in the race coming up this summer. And you'll definitely yeah. have to keep me updated how it goes. Mike, I do appreciate it very much. Thank you. Anytime. All right, guys, well, that's going to do it for episode 101 of the OCR Underground Show. Thanks for sticking around, and I hope that this episode was helpful in your OCR training. Uh, don't forget to check out the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 101. And uh, check out any of the links. You can check out the registration for the DECA Mile. Don't forget about the promo we're running at the studio for our DECA training class. Um, you can also check out some of those breathing articles that I was talking about. Uh, plus, check out our great sponsors, the Amino Company and uh, FitTrack. 
And as always, thank you so much to our guest today, uh, Matthew O'Quinn, and really excited to hear about how his death race goes. And you can check out the show notes for uh, how you can reach out to Matt in case you have any questions at all there for him. Uh, Well, that's it. We'll see you next time. Until then, keep training smarter.